Hello and welcome to the Thought Architecture Podcast. And <clears throat> as you know, I'm Justin. I'm also hungry. I'm also a little bit tired. And I'm also a little bit coffee down. <laughs> so this is going to be part two of the learning series. And this is where we double click on the pre-learning stage. So um, as I said in the last one, there are three stages. Okay, so if you want it for a general overview on learning and uh, the stages of learning, go and check out the previous podcast. But just a quick revision. The three learning stages are pre, peri, and post. And very simply put, that just means that before you learn, you do something. When you learn, you do something. And after you've learned, you do something. And in this way, I'm actually defining the learning as the actual work, where you're working with something that is unfamiliar to you. Technically, the entire process could be classified as learning. However, we're separating it into three phases. Why? Number one is to add more nuance. But number two is the idea that the more that we separate it out, the more we can isolate and actually find out where our strengths are and where our weaknesses are. So for today, we're going to be talking about the pre-learning phase. And the pre-learning phase is actually very, very interesting because it's a phase that most people jump over. And it's a great example of what not to do. Don't skip this phase. <clears throat> All too often, people skip this phase. They get into the learning phase. And what happens? Well, just a throwback to um, schema theory and the Jack Reacher uh, podcast that I did previously. If you're interested, check that out. It's on cognitive load. When you skip this phase, you are more likely to experience cognitive load overwhelm. Okay. Where you just, you get to a place where there's just too much information to manage. So the pre-phase is a great way to make sure that you're not going to hit that, which increases how long you can stay in the learning, as well as your, your bandwidth, your ability to categorize and sort all of your learning. Okay, so let's dive into it. Let's talk about the two parts that I usually divide this up into, which is going to be patterns and perception. So as you know, um, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, they did a fantastic... Um, a fantastic uh, amount of research around this, as well as then uh, Daniel Kahneman wrote the book Thinking Fast and Slow. And basically they proved two different um, thinking styles, fast and slow. And the fast way is the automated way of thinking. You know, it's your knee-jerk reaction. It's without thinking. This is what you would do on a regular basis. Whereas the slow is more deliberate. It's more focused. And that slow really takes it out of you. I mean, really... There's so much energy that's directed to the brain. I mean, it's 2% of the body's mass, but 22% of all its resources consumed. So that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a very expensive organ to have. <clears throat> and so the deliberate, slow thinking actually takes a ton of your effort. So in this way, and what we, what we want to do is make sure that, first of all, we need to overcome cognitive biases and our cognitive biases are part of our social brain to make sure that we're set in values that we are defending ourselves from risk of banishment you know by sounding stupid um, risk of banishment from the tribe to making sure that we are keeping the culture of the tribe you know they are bad we are good that type of thing if i haven't heard it many times then it can't be true etc um, there's a great quote, which is science advances one death at a time, because even in a time when, let's say, the theory of evolution was introduced, although people agreed with it, <clears throat> there was a lot of people who disputed it, even though, you know, there was like hard evidence for it. 
And so there's this idea that the next generation, whether you agree or not with the theory of evolution, the next generation found it a lot easier to actually cope with this new theory and integrate it into their lives. Why? Because they didn't have this confirmation bias. You know, their identity wasn't necessarily rooted in any scientific thought or anything like that. And when they were exposed to multiple different ones, they were saying, oh, well, I'll go for this one. You know, this one sounds the most rational. This one is the one that's the most popular, whatever the case may be. And the idea is very simple. The more pliable we can be, the faster our learning, the faster we can take on ideas. So we need to be careful. There's something in psychology called the effective filter. If information doesn't confirm what we know, or if it comes from a source that we don't like, we raise our effective filter, which is imagine like, you know, just um, raising your you know, raising your windows in a car, like you stop that new information coming in and you stay rooted and grounded in your identity, confirming who you are right now, even though it could be wrong, could be completely false. So this type of confirmation bias. And this is what I'm talking about when I say the first step in pre-learning is making sure that you have checked your perceptions, that you have checked that, okay, I have strong beliefs here. I might come against up against some strong beliefs. And it's just acknowledging a lot of these things like, am I prepared to challenge what I know? Am I prepared to put in the work? Am I prepared to perhaps be surprised? Am I prepared to catch myself disagreeing with some of these things and giving it a chance despite disagreeing with it? Giving it a chance. You know, am I prepared to uh, be patient and control myself and regulate myself and allow this kind of information to sit with me and give it a good, honest go? So that's the first one is your perception. And usually when, when people are learning, there's pressures to learning as well, like being, you know, learning for the sake of passing an exam, a certification, some kind of like board, something like that. And if that's the case, um, you're, you don't have very strong beliefs, but you need to jump through hoops and you might come across this idea that like, well, why would they ask me to do this? Well, that's stupid. I don't see the logic in that, which is really instead of just doing what people ask you to do, you're disagreeing with them because you can't see the purpose in it. Just because you can't see the purpose in it, it doesn't mean that you can't learn something. It means you have to check that need to see the rationalization and go back to your main intention, which is, well, I need to learn this in order to pass. So let me engage with it in the way that they have laid it out for me or let me engage with it in a way that they intend for me to engage with it. So perception is a big one to get through. So the second part of being able to do the pre-learning is really the patterning phase. So if all learning is, is taking information that you're not familiar with and becoming more familiar with it, like, yes, we can learn ideas. Yes, we can learn, um, you know, how-tos, behavior. Um, we can learn skills. There's all these types of things. And there are multiple different ways to learn. But patterning is definitely something that cuts across all of these and it will increase your learning curve by a lot so there's two strategies that i suggest and i recommend for patterning right number one is if you are limited and number two is if you're not limited so what i mean by this is if you are limited by your material let's say you just have to learn a textbook a textbook one textbook patterning is as simple as taking a day to just read through that textbook and only reading titles, looking at pictures, looking at special writing, anything in italics, underneath pictures, headings, that kind of thing, okay? Maybe some bullet points here and there, all right? Looking at tables. 
that is patterning and being able to see you know the, all the categories that exist how this textbook is structuring all the information putting it all together and then from there you can then make a picture in your mind every piece of information that you learn is going to come in relevant in some point or another and so by doing patterning like this you're able to also then connect it and say how much do I know about this versus um, what does it remind me of? So, for example, if we're learning about, I don't know, um, let's say hormones in the body, how much do you know about hormones in the body? And so maybe you can list out a couple of them and then you read the textbook chapter. You just do a quick skim read to qualify it, to see the patterns in it. And you realize that there's actually four other hormones that you're not familiar with. By then just looking up a YouTube video um, for a quick cursory explanation of these hormones and then going back to your textbook, you're actually better equipped. And now, um, if you're not limited, let's say you have to learn a particular topic and there's, let's say, several textbooks or whatever, or, you know, you don't have a textbook, but it's just the teacher explaining a topic, you know, go to YouTube. You know, the University of YouTube is fantastic. And so this is what I do. I had to, um, I had to go through... Um, various different things that I was not familiar with, but I lent on my skills, my knowledge, my muscles of learning. And in a 20-minute period, I consumed, let's say, four or five of the videos that were the highest rated with the most views, as well as the time duration that suited me. And I just watched all of them on a quick 20-minute, uh, sorry, on a, on a two-time speed a loop, um, and I watched all of them and then a couple of extra that I found on the back of that that maybe answered a few questions that I had along the way. And because I consumed four or five different creators' content, each one of them presented the information in a slightly different way. And the nuances meant that I understood it a little bit better versus if I just asked the same presenter to explain it in one way repeatedly. <clears throat> and so this has got the, the idea in it of reframing information as well. I'm not trying to understand a piece of information fully the first time that I see it, but rather I go through a repetition to make sure that I can pattern which information is relevant, maybe which information I can link to something I already know, and then test out that theory. And what it means is that when it comes time to do actual learning, um, which we'll talk about in a minute, or sorry, rather in the next episode, you're actually able to put that learning in the right box in your mind. And so we've talked about this before. We've talked about schema theory, the fact that your brain has this like um, categorization of information. And so you can actually see that two schemas are maybe connected or maybe um, by doing a cursory reading of a textbook, you can see how they're laying out the information and you can make a, a model in your head of how this information all connects. Essentially, you are creating a schema. And the idea is that then within the learning, you're able to take on a lot of information in one go, which would usually overwhelm other people. But because you've got a schema to associate it to, or perhaps you've got a familiar topic that you can liken it to, you're able to deal with a lot more information. Your exposure to these ideas, your exposure to this structure of organizing these ideas is a lot higher than you think. And so the result is, of course, that um, by doing this, this pre-learning patterning exercise, you're able to uh, categorize the information, see what's familiar to you, 
see what's unfamiliar to you, where, where the learning has to come from. But by consuming, let's say, several different people's perspectives on it, you also are able to see what's incredibly relevant, what are the main particles, which parts are missing in other people's explanations, which parts are unnecessary in certain people's explanations as well. And basically starting on the the idea of assigning values to how important is X. But most of the time when people explain things, they they don't like reframing these things. But a good communicator reframes things with the audience in mind. So if a teacher explains something to you and you don't understand, ask them to explain it to you again, but in a different way. And if you find them more or less repeating themselves, they don't truly understand it either, or they're very poor communicators. It's that simple. Whereas a person who can reframe it like three different metaphors, a personal example, a popular example, um, as well as maybe a story that they've used, you know, things like that. If you've got a person who can explain the mechanics and also put those mechanics into a funny, a funny thing for you to, to liken it to, that's a good communicator. That's a good teacher straight away. Okay. So speaking about that, of course, like I'm not... I'm not perfect at this either, but when I do work with people, you know, I will get down to the, the nuts and bolts of it. Like, what are you familiar with? Oh, cooking. Okay, well, let's liken this to cooking. So in this way, we're likening it to cooking. This pre-learning phase is you going through the recipe book. It's you making a note of all the ingredients, which ingredients you have, which ingredients you don't have and you need to go, let's say, to the store to get, but you're not leaving the kitchen quite yet. You're still in the kitchen. You're not taking any action. You're consuming the recipe book and making notes. Um, and not just that, but let's say you're going onto the internet and you're finding five different people's versions of the same recipe and seeing what's similar, what's different, what stages can you see in the cooking that's exactly the same and what's different. So technically you're not cooking, but you're going through it and you're seeing how to structure this cooking as well. And you'll be surprised at how helpful the stage is. And you'll also be surprised at how quick the stage can be. It doesn't need to be a long thing. It can be very short. So usually there's a type of ratio as well for planning. And so in this case, you can also put in a plan for your learning and say, okay, well, I'm going to do uh, as much as I can today until I reach like a cognitive saturation point. And then I'm going to leave it and I'm going to revisit it tomorrow and I'm going to do more tomorrow. After I've revised some, I'm going to do some more learning. And then after I've revised the next day, I'm going to do some more learning. And you create your structured plan. Of course, your plan isn't going to go according to plan, <laughs> needless to say. Uh, but the very simple point is that you've at least thought about how you're going to do it. Now, when you do this, by the way, uh, just a quick side note, I highly recommend that you visualize where you are and where uh, sorry where you where you are and what are you doing what are the actions that you're taking to actually go through this so the more iterations you have of going through this process the better the and more dialed in this process is going to be remember like even getting this process of pre peri and post learning is a muscle and the, the better that you get at this the more you understand it as a muscle the more you're going to look to increase your technique the shape your load your quality and your quantity and your intensity so that being said, <clears throat> let's just revise what we said quickly, which is the pre-learning phase can be divided into planning and perception. And sorry, patterning and perception. 
maybe let's make it the three P's, patterning, perception, and planning. <laughs> Although the planning for me, um, I don't like to do. And I don't like to talk about it. The reason why is because I think when people feel locked into a plan, they actually are less uh, creative in their learning. And they're, they're more kind of like, do I tick this box? Do I tick this box? So I prefer to, um, to promote people follow their emotionality. Um, there have been numerous studies that show that learning is highly emotive. And the more you can connect your emotions to learning, the more um, success you're going to find with learning. And the more you dissociate emotions with learning, you'll notice it has grave effects on your ability to withhold it, uh, to hold information. So in that way, let's just go back. Patterning and perception. And for perception, you need to get out of your own way and recognize if you're having a bad day, then cool. Moderate yourself first, get yourself into a happy place, a good emotional state, then do the learning. So again, happiness has been shown to be um, a great promoter of creativity, thinking, and as well as uh, positive memory, good, good memory um, acquisition. So happiness, get yourself into a good state, get out of your perception, uh, you know, your, your anti-rhetoric or whatever it is, you know, make sure that you're founded in a place of curiosity. And you're saying things like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I never knew that. As much as you can. And the other thing is then going to be the patterning, which is making sure you're going through the information. Oh, excuse me. Wow. I'm not going to edit that out because that was awesome. (laughs) So the second thing to go through is the patterning and making sure that you're creating an organization of structure. You're not trying to actively remember anything. You're just seeing, huh, okay, so they put that there. Okay, I think I got that. And that's in relation to what? Oh, okay. So it's almost like you're seeing how they've laid everything out in contrast to other things. What are the things that catch your attention the most? What are things that you are familiar with or not familiar with? And you're basically going through those steps. Okay, so that's the pre-learning phase divided into two And even from there, you can see there's a lot of steps attached. But what I'd highly recommend is that um, you do this even with books that you're reading. You know, if you have to read a book, um, it's nonfiction. It's something like, I don't know, uh, let's say you've got a Tim Ferriss book or something, or you're consuming a textbook on like, you know, training glutes, something like that, or coaching or whatever it is, whatever it may be, going through it index page first going through all the chapters and looking at how the chapters are structured do they have a summary at the back etc what does the appendices look like all of that all of that helps and then start reading i literally did this with one book called the social animal talking about how humans function and this was a big book like a super thick book a couple thousand pages in this book at least and um i was like i'm not going to read it i'm not interested enough to read it And I did a pre-reading task and I found a chapter that was actually interesting for me. And I consumed that chapter very quickly. That chapter, of course, made references to other chapters. And I was like, huh, I wonder what those chapters have to say. So it piqued my interest, my curiosity, and I then consumed those other chapters. And by doing this, that piqued my curiosity, my interest in other chapters and other chapters and other chapters until I had three chapters left of the book. And I thought, oh, I may as well. And I finished the book. 
And I did it in about a week. It was incredible how fast I moved through that book because I was able to associate my interest, my curiosity, because I did it in a non-conventional way. I read according to my emotional uh, peaks more than A to Z. And um, because I had read it already, I had a good grasp of where to put this information. So I didn't need a lot of time to consume this information. It was more like a confirming my suspicions or, you know, deconfirming my suspicions, I think. Belaying my suspicions. So, in this way, we can see what the first phase of learning looks like. Take some practical ideas out of this as well. Um, and give yourself some time. Give yourself some space to just get familiar with, like, the big picture, the big map if you will, of all the content that you need to learn. And uh, you'll be surprised at the results. You will be, truly. Even if you take just 10 minutes before an incredibly stressful session that you need to learn, you, you don't have time to do everything. Just give me the cliff notes. Well, the cliff notes are very simple. Take at least 10 minutes to go through what you need to consume and what you need to memorize, and you'll find fantastic results. All right, that's me. I'm done. If you have any questions or comments or anything like that, please share them with me. If this, if you think this will be beneficial to someone or spark a conversation between you and a friend, please share this, have a cup of coffee and have a big discussion about it. That would make my day. would make my day even more satisfactory if I got a photo, a selfie of you and your friend discussing this kind of stuff. That would just be incredible. And uh, yes, thank you very much. I wish you well. I hope you have a great week. I'm Justin. This has been Thought Architecture. Ta-ta for now.